I do want to dive into where we're going. I had some problems technologically this morning with the iPad, and so I'm, I'm on this old-fashioned thing called paper. Um, <laughs> you guys heard of that before? Apparently, it still exists. They cut down trees for this, um, so the iPad is down for the count, but... Um, Anyway, so I want to start off by saying thank you guys. Um, thank you, church, for supporting my wife and I in the birth of our son, Landon. And uh, as we're adjusting that and um, the, the lack of sleep that anyone who's a parent knows um, is happening, I want to thank you guys for the meals that you brought. I want to thank the elders for the support and all the guest speakers that have filled in over the past um, three weeks. And so I just want to say thank you uh, for that before we get going. And, and, and really thinking about the, the miracle that is birth. And thinking about my son over the past few weeks and kind of decided to change some things up. We're launching a series that was going to be out in November. And we're like, you know what? No, God's really laid it on my heart to really move that up. So that's what we're going into this morning. It's called the heartbeat of a disciple. And you know, the heart begins beating, thump, 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 at just four weeks after conception. I mean, do we really think about that? I mean, this small little cell has then multiplied to become all these different things. And just four weeks later after conception, there's a small little chambered heart, itty bitty bitty beating. And I, I just wonder after the birth of, of our son, how can anyone who's a parent be an atheist? Do you, get, you guys ever think about that? I mean, really, how can anyone who's a parent and witness the miracle that is birth and cells folding, wrapping around each other and DNA sequences that if they were unraveled would stretch from earth to Pluto and back? How can you unravel the mysteries of that and figure out like how this pop nine months later here and you know that's the sound a baby makes we talked about it before so there's there it was and and how can any parent be an atheist and I've really been thinking about this this heart thing and I want to say you know I know Tony loves fun facts I want to share a few fun facts before we dive into a lot of scripture this morning did you know did you know that a healthy heart pumps two thousand gallons of blood. 2,000 gallons of blood through 60,000 miles of blood vessels every day. If you've got a healthy heart, 2,000 gallons of blood circulate through your heart through 60,000 miles of blood vessels every day. And that thump thump that you hear when you press you know, your ear to someone's chest or you have a you know, stethoscope or something like that and you're, you're listening, boom, 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 you're feeling your pulse, that's actually not the heart muscle, that's the valves opening and closing. There's four valves inside the heart. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Plato theorized that reasoning came from the brain and that passions came from the heart. Aristotle later coined the term heartfelt. And these are things that we kind of take for granted, right? Well, yeah, I, my brain thinks and my heart feels. My brain thinks and my heart feels. But we know that there's no thing going in there, right? But it's talked about a lot, even in Scripture. And when at rest, most of you are sitting right now, so we'll consider you at rest. When you're at rest, your blood takes only... Okay, your blood just went to your lungs and back. Is that crazy to think about? Now your blood has gone to your brain and back. And in just a few more seconds, your blood will circulate all the way through your toes and back, all being pumped and pushed by that little 11-ounce heart that most of us have. You know that women's hearts beat about eight beats faster than a man's all the time? All the time. And so guys, if you ever wonder, like, why is she so high-strung? Like, what's up with... What's up with it? Every woman I meet has this thing about her, and it's this quality of just, right? And what, it's because her heart, it's because her heart is just beating eight beats faster or more than that all the time. 
And, and most healthy hearts beat about 2 billion times over your lifetime. So women, you got yeah, 8 beats and 8 beats and 8 beats and 8 beats. You're, you're cracking down on that. So take a chill pill. <sighs> ease, it, ease it up. Here's one of the most fascinating things I found out. The heartbeats of a man and woman in love will begin to synchronize after staring into each other's eyes for three minutes. Don't try that now. But at home later, when you, you, know, you have all this free time and the kids are running around, just sit down for three minutes or a nice cooked you know, Stouffer's lasagna and sit there and have a wonderful meal and just, and just stare, stare into their eyes. So this will tell you two things. Either A, your heartbeats are synchronized, or you better work on the love part. So... <laughs> You know, this series is not going to make any sense unless we know a little bit about how our heart actually works. I'm blessed to have two brothers-in-law, uh, Eric and Jeff. Maybe that's where the Jeff came from, James. Maybe that's where it... And... Yes. Yes. I'll see, you in, I'll see you in fantasy football, James. It's going down. I'm blessed to have two brothers-in-laws, and they're both PAs at Holmes. Uh, one is in IR, interventional radiology, and the other is in cardiothoracic surgery. So I really leaned on them really heavily for a lot of this information to make sure that I was saying this right and getting all this stuff down, because I want to get this right. Because the more we understand about the intricacies of our heart that God placed in you and in my bodies, it's going to make a lot of sense when we talk about the heartbeat of a disciple. Our heart is divided into four chambers. There are two chambers on the right, and two chambers on the left. At the top, both of those chambers, both right and left, are called atrium. At the bottom, they're both called ventricles. Say that with me. Atrium at the top, right and left, and then ventricles. And the ventricles at the bottom have thicker muscle walls to squeeze the blood and pump it through faster. Of course, I'm staring at Shelly, who's a nurse at home as well. I'm like, oh, oh, please, please, sweating. Now, blood without oxygen enters the right atrium. All right, comes in. Right? And it's pumped down below to the right ventricle. And then it leaves the heart to go to the, anyone take a guess? It leaves the heart to go to the lungs. This blood that the heart has pumped goes to the lungs. It picks up oxygen right, that we inhale, and it dumps off CO2, carbon dioxide, that we exhale. Right? And then that blood with oxygen, or oxygenated blood, comes back into the heart, into the left atrium, the top, right? gets pumped down into the left ventricle at the bottom and out into the body. And that oxygenated blood then breathes life into the cells, and then the blood picks back up the CO2, right, and the impurities to circle back around to the right atrium to start this process all over again. All of this takes seconds to happen through your entire body. And all of that is powered by this sinoatrial node, right? Which, if you have a pacemaker problem, this is the problem that's fixed, right? They, they put a brand new sinoatrial node, and the sinoatrial node sends out electrical impulses across all four chambers to make them and their valves contract, boom, boom, and pump blood through the body. It's pretty amazing, right? What's making that little thing tick? The heart tick, you know, and the, the sinoatrial node sending electrical impulses, boom, 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 a billion times. If this was actually quantified, it would be two gigajoules of energy of your lifespan. In every blood cell, there are four heme molecules, H-E-M-E, that then we call, as they come together, hemoglobin, where these molecules pick up and discharge oxygen and discharge CO2, right? And there's also four chambers in the heart, so naturally this series is going to be 
four weeks, right? And over these four weeks, we're going to be talking about these things. The first, today, we're going to dive into this a little bit. We're going to talk about the heart every single week. It's not going to be this nitty-gritty, you know, I don't want to get it, here comes a science lesson again. But there are a lot of things that we can learn about this. Today is called the heartbeat. In other words, what is our faith pulse? Do we have one? Faith-wise, are we alive? Because if you don't have a heart, you're dead, right? If you don't have a heart, you're dead. You've got a heart, but is it alive? Is it pumping? Do you have a spiritual pulse? Next week, we're going to be talking about these things called impurities and this systolic and diastolic failure. You know, systolic failure like causes like drugs, like toxins, like poor blood flow that ultimately lead to this thing called hypertrophy, which is a stiff valve, and the heart can't squeeze blood out effectively. Do you see what's happening here? I'm too rigid. I can't let God do anything with me. I have spiritual heart failure, right? And then there's the other side of things, diastolic, when the heart doesn't relax appropriately, when you just too flimsy floppy, right? Overworked, overstressed, too loose with your spirituality. And what happens to the right side of the heart, did you know this can affect the left side as well? So you're not exempt. Oh, I've got this problem over here in my life, but I'm doing great in this. It doesn't matter with God. The third week, we're going to be talking about this thing we're going to call oxygen. In other words, what are we breathing in and what are we breathing out in our faith walk? What do we absorb like those heme molecules? What do we give away? Or do we at all? And then finally, the last week, exercise. What things make a healthy disciple's heart? And the reason this series isn't just called the heart of a disciple, because that would look a little bit better on the screen and fit a little bit better, right? The reason this series isn't called the heart of a disciple, but the heartbeat of a disciple, is that it's not enough from today on to just have a heart. For you and me to just have a heart, that's no longer enough. That's no longer going to cut it. We have to use it, right? It's got to pump. We've got to have a spiritual pulse. It has to pump Jesus Christ in and out and throughout our lives every second, every minute, every hour of every day. Because if... It's not. We're in problem, right? There's also a reason this series isn't called Heartbeat of a Christian, right? Because Christians, here, here comes, this is going to be a hit below the belt maybe a little bit today. Christians can be groupies. Do you know anybody like that? Christians can be groupies. It's really easy because we've been through these figures before. That almost 80% of Americans consider themselves Christians. But fewer than 23% of Americans are active in church. Active now means 1.3 times per month average. Do we see the breakdown of that? There's a lot of Christian groupies out there. So it's not called in this series, it's not called heartbeat of a Christian. This is called heartbeat of a disciple. Because somewhere along the way, we've got a disconnect We've become unplugged from this word Christian and this word disciple. Oh, they're the same thing. No, they're not. It is very easy to be one thing and very difficult to be the other. Turn with me if you have your Bibles to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to be in verse 16 through 20. This is often referred to as the Great Commission. It's the last thing written in the book of Matthew before Jesus ascends and goes bye-bye, right? This is after the crucifixion. This is after the resurrection. And Jesus is telling this to his disciples, the 11 of them that are left. He says, the 11 disciples went to Galilee, 
to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some, they still doubted. And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make Christians of all nations. What does your version say? Yes, the D word, right? But the good kind, right? Go therefore and make disciples, not Christians, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We're not called to make Christians, y'all. We're called to make and be disciples. And if you're like me lately, then just turning on the news for a mere two minutes shows you that Americans, and yes, even Christians, have a heart problem today, right? We, we, we see, we turn it on the news, it's everywhere. We see people who are acting out and people who are protesting, people who are protesting, protesting. And I'm like, I'm against protesting, but I don't know how to show it. And everyone just gets all bent up and wrapped out of shape. And even Christians, Christians, right, are getting bent out of shape because there is a massive heart problem in our country today. There's a massive heart problem in our churches today. And maybe perhaps it's because that American culture has attempted to make church popular and in doing so lost the church's purpose. Might sting a bit, right? Turn with me to the book of 2 Timothy. It's a few pages back there after the Gospels and then a good another little bit. You're probably going to brush past it because it's itty bitty, but 2 Timothy Way back in the New Testament, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and read verses 1 through 7. See if this sounds familiar to you. But understand this, Paul writes, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness. I'm a Christian. 80% of America is Christian. Having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. Avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth because they seek it everywhere else but here, right? And when I was reading that again, does that sound a little bit like today? I mean, it, it does to me, and I'm, a, and I'm an optimist. But looking around and, and seeing a lot of the things lately that have happened in, in, in Charlotte and in Charleston and monuments that have been torn down for good and for illegitimate reasons, and, and everyone been out of shape and protesting and, and having rallies and, and doing things that I read about in the history books back in the 1950s and 60s and 70s when I thought segregation was still a thing. And it's turned us against each other from the inside because we have a heart problem. And don't get discouraged by this passage. Don't get discouraged when you look out and you see the news. And don't get discouraged when you're driving by and you see something bad happen. You know what? Don't be discouraged. Why? Because realize the difference that just your heart can make. You have a huge impact with just your heart and letting God 
control its impulses. We're going to look at five things this morning to get this series started off. Five things that we can learn scripturally about our heart and what it looks like to have a heart and have a heartbeat of a disciple. So we're going to start off with Mark chapter 7. I want you to turn there. Again, if you don't have a Bible, uh, uh, there's some over there to your left at the prayer board. Tony's right there. If you want to raise your hand, he can bring you one. Uh, or you may have an app or a smartphone. Uh, turn that on. If you don't have a Bible at all, like if you walked in here and like, I don't have a Bible, take this one with you this morning. Put your name in it in permanent ink. So we're going to be in Mark. Mark chapter 7, verses 20 through 23 is where we're going to be. And Jesus is saying this. He said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. What we're going to learn out of this is the first thing. We've got to understand this. If we're going to start correcting or improving the heartbeat that you and I should have as a disciple of Jesus Christ. Not as a Christian. That's step one. And then done. Disciple is everything that follows after. And we're going to learn this from this passage. That all sin originates in the heart. A lot of us like to think, well, this was affected on me. Or I went through this time in my life and I learned this and it's a bad habit that I just picked up. I never did it myself. No, those are no longer excuses from today on. Well, I've got a temper problem. Well, I've got an anger problem. No, 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 no. You have a heart problem. Well, I've got a lust problem or a pornography problem. Nope. You have a heart problem. Well, I've got a jealousy problem. Nope. Heart problem. I've got a gossip problem. I just like to yap my mouth a little bit and, and watch the Real Housewives of Pick a City. Nope. You have a heart problem. I've got a, a pride problem. I, I'm boastful all the time. No, you have a heart problem. I lie a lot and I just I can't seem to stop it. It's just in my nature. No. You have a heart problem. And a lot of us don't like to talk about this because we don't like going to the doctor, right? It's not fun for us or the dentist or anything like that. I don't want to check up. Guess what? Welcome. And I'm not the doctor. He is. I'm just the person to push you there. And we've scheduled an appointment this morning at 10 a.m. And you've made it. This is a checkup this morning. And it's got to be a checkup. It's got to be a hit in the gut. And we've got to go down these numbers of our diastolic and systolic blood pressure. Like, ooh, you've you got some high cholesterol. Your blood pressure is a little high. You're not sleeping well. Maybe you have sleep apnea, and that's messing up your heart. Yes, those are medical terms, right? Those are medical diagnoses. But what if it's not? What if it's you're sleepwalking through your spiritual life? What if it's you have these issues that we just talked about, that all of us have to varying degrees, that Jesus talked about? But we have to understand that all of these things originate from the heart. Well, the four chambers and the valves and the atrium ventricles, that's what's doing that to me? No, no, no. Obviously, right? Jesus is talking about the separation between reasoning and, again, what Plato talked about, where the passions come from, what fuels you. And if you've got any of those things, if you've got a sin problem, it's a heart problem. We understand that? And you have to look inside to fix that. The problem's not out there. And that's what our media and that's what our culture is wanting you to believe. The problem is out there. They are wrong. Whatever side it is, it doesn't even matter anymore. The problem is inside. Inside a lot, a lot, a lot of people. And if we fix that problem one heart at a time, and Jesus does what he does, that's what changes lives, and that's what changes countries. Our next scripture, turn with me to the book of Psalms. 
Psalm chapter 51, it's just one verse, verse 10. If you don't want to turn there, that's fine. I get it. It's cool. It says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. This is the words of David. And renew a right spirit within me. If you know this verse, say it again with me. It says, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And if you need a verse for this week, I encourage you to just write this one down. Psalm 51.10. Put it up on a little post-it note on your mirror. Look at it when you turn on your car. Think about this. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And what David's words remind us here in Psalms is this key thing. That number two, just because you believe in Jesus, it does not exempt you from having a heart problem. We get that? Okay, I'll I'll go again. Just because you believe in Jesus, you are not exempt from having a heart problem. Well, I got saved when I was eight. I'm good. Nope. Nope. That's not what being a disciple is. Right? Walking day in and day out with your Lord and Savior. That's not a relationship. Just because you believe in Jesus doesn't exempt you from having a heart problem. If anything, even the opposite is true because your life and your heart change and require change when you know Jesus Christ. They have to. Because your old ways, as Paul writes later in the New Testament, your old ways are not the new ways. What you did before, you shouldn't always be doing now. What you said before, you shouldn't always say now because hopefully God is creating and recreating you daily to be a better, not Christian, a better disciple, a better follower of Jesus Christ. You know, those things don't matter when you live like the world does. But just because you know Jesus doesn't mean you're exempt. And we learn this through the words of David because what does he say? Create in me. Like, this is David, right? We think, you know, giant slayer, stone slinger, David. David, like, pretty great guy in the Bible. The guy says, God called him a man after his own heart, right? This guy, this David guy, king of Israel, king, David, says, created me. Recreate? No, no, no. He said create, like, as in from the very beginning. Like, I don't have one of these, God. Please, create in me. Not recreate. Not I'm going to admit that I'm a recreate, I need a little boost, I need a tetanus shot or something to just get me over the edge. Thanks, Jesus. No, create in me, brand new, from scratch, from the dirt, from the mess, from the ash of my life, create in me a clean heart because I don't have one. Because I've stared at a Bathsheba and she's got me all kinds of messed up. Because I've sinned and I've, I've erred in my ways, I've been boastful, I've been frightful. Whatever those things are, I've lied. I sent a guy to his death. David's got a lot to say, God, created me a clean heart. Don't recreate brand new. And some of you and some of me have to ask that this morning, if we're going to be honest, on our knees saying, God, forget the past, because that's what you do. But this morning, from today on, create. Create in me a clean heart. Because I can't, I won't do what I did before, say what I did before, live the way I did before, because you call me to better. Third thing we're going to learn, turn with me to the book of Matthew again. Back to Matthew, chapter 22. Verse 37. Again, it's just one verse if you don't want to turn. These are the words of Jesus. He's speaking back to this lawyer, this, this Pharisee. who's asking him this really tough question. He says, what are the greatest commandments? I'm like, I'm going to put him on the spot. Okay, Jesus, 
You're the Son of God. What is the, what is the most important thing? If you could sum up all the Word and all the Testament in, into one thing, what would it be, Jesus? And he says this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Matthew twenty two thirty seven, And we learn this third thing this morning, that the pursuit of God also begins in the heart. Well, you said, I thought, Josh, I thought the, the heart was, was the origin of all sin. Yes, but it does not have to be if you know and are following Jesus Christ. What's old is washed clean. Made new. That's what we just talked about. Creating a clean heart. Only God can do that. You and I can't do that. And that's why the world is so messed up and desperate for it. Because they're trying to find it in iPhones. They're trying to find it in fulfillment and online this and Snapchat that and Match.com this. They're trying to find fulfillment in that. And you know what? It doesn't exist. Pursuit of God begins in your and in my heart. But you know what? It has to be all of our hearts. There's a condition. Do we pick up on that? A little small word said three times. A-L-L. Not the detergent. All. All your heart. All your soul. All your mind. And again, many of us like to only let Jesus into one chamber, to use our heart analogy again, right? We've got four chambers. Well, I'll let Jesus into this space. You can have this room. All yours, I fix it up for you. Have my Sunday mornings. Doesn't it look wonderful? I've cleaned my slate. We stopped lacrosse, Jesus. We're not doing baseball anymore. We're not going to the beach like we used to. Woo! I gave my God my Sunday morning. Whew. Told you it's going to be a tough Sunday, right? It's got to be all your heart, all your mind, all your soul has to pursue Jesus. And to do that, we've got to let him into every room, every chamber, because if our heart was only using one chamber, you know what we'd be? Yeah. Again, we're dead. There, there's no in-between. You're either alive or you ain't, right? Or you're a rock. And who wants to be a rock, right? That's what we, Dwayne Johnson, he is the rock, right? You say, Jesus, I'm going to let you into my one chamber. I'm going to let you take out the bad stuff that I don't really like, but I'm not going to really be generous to the outside. I'm not going to breathe in oxygen and pass it along. I just want you to clean up my bad stuff. Thank you, Jesus. What about Jesus? You know, I've got all these impurities on the inside, but I look wonderful on the outside. Look at this front I put up. I clean up good. Tony Eubanks this morning, an electric guitar player, showed up. He's like, you look like a dad. I don't know if it's a clothes, but, you know, we can put up a front on the outside. I'm like, dude, it's just clothes. Plus, now I'm fitting into things that I didn't fit in for a really long time when I was up in Atlanta. It's, on, it's like I'm going into my closet, like going to the clothes store all over again. I'm like, ooh, what's this? Is it on sale? No, I own that. So, you know, we can put up a front. We can put up a front. But we have to pursue Jesus with all of our heart. And that means what? You wake up, do you eat breakfast, or do you pray? You drive to work. Do you listen to the music or do you talk to God? Yeah. You taking away my radio? I don't know. Is that something you need to give up? That's between you and God. What is getting in the way between you and God? And you've got to eliminate it. Otherwise, you're going to have a heart problem. Let's take this a step further to our fourth point. Ephesians. The book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3. 
We're going to start in verse 14, Ephesians chapter 3. Paul writes to the church in Ephesus, For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, all children of God, right? That according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner, in your where? In your inner being, right? Deep inside, so that Christ may dwell in your where? Down in your... Down in your... Okay, to stay, right? Through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints that what is the breadth and the length and the height and the depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. He says amen because that's like the end of it. Wow. Yeah. Put a period in it. That's, that's good, Paul. You write that down. He's like, thanks, I did. We learn that Christ's dwelling place can be your heart. You're like, yeah, I got that. I, I sang that again when I was in five years old in Sunday school. But what did David ask again? Create in me a clean heart. We're going to have to learn this, and we're going to have to relearn this, and we're going to have to relearn this. It's like Yoda in Star Wars. You must unlearn what you have learned. We have to go back and, and undo some of the past so that we can get this from the right track moving on the right way. We're going to have to learn this and relearn this and relearn this. So yes, Christ's dwelling place could be my heart. And what does my heart look like? Because if it's filled up with all my chambers are filled up with gossip and lying and lust and pornography and addiction and slander, and pride, and boastfulness. If all my chambers are filled up, where's Jesus going to fit? You've got to let go of that to put him in. You can have one, or you can have the other. You can't have both. You're like, Josh, you're saying this is an absolute? This is an ultimatum? Yes. Yes, it is, now and forever. You either have and know Jesus, or you don't. And a lot of us in our country this morning, we've missed the boat on that. I'm a Christian, again, that 80%. Yeah, I'll go through the motions. I'll go to church 1.3 times a month. What does that mean? Well, that means I'll make coffee every, uh, carry the one, uh, every 17th week I make coffee and then I'll go to church, right? Woo! You guys want to follow the Babylon Bee on Facebook? You want to follow that? Oh, please, if you don't, please do. Oh my gosh, it's this wonderful Christian satire and those things go together. Yes, they do. Christian satire um, kind of blog like the Onion News, right? It's just completely all, all fake and, and hilarious. But the Babylon Bee on Facebook, and they had a post uh, just last week or so. It said, man prayerfully considers giving one hour every six months volunteering at church. We get that disconnect, right? And this is not a plug to get you involved. This is a plug that you need to be involved here or somewhere else, following Jesus Christ. That's what it comes down to, being a disciple. That's only going to happen when Christ is dwelling in your heart. Walking alongside you, saying, oh, no, do that. Okay, I'm listening. Because that electronic signal, that impulse across all four chambers that is motivating and pushing blood through my body, said, I'm listening to that. Boom, 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 boom. Jesus, oh, don't get there. Okay, oh, don't go there. Oh, don't do that thing. Don't, okay, don't do that thing. Don't say that thing. Okay, Jesus, don't say that thing. Because he's going to make me better. Our fifth thing we're going to learn this morning, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, I know we're bouncing around a lot. I'm going to throw a lot of scripture at you, but uh, it's good stuff. Sometimes I think we get through sermons in a lot of places, and even sometimes here, where there's not enough word. And I hope every Sunday you leave knowing this, and not knowing, I, I learned that Josh can do a Yoda impression. 
you, you, you get it? This is this is this is this. This is important. So we're going to spend some time in this. Second Corinthians chapter three, verses one through three. Are we beginning to commend ourselves again? Are we getting a pat on the back? Do we feel good about ourselves? I've been going to church. I've been doing this. I've been doing that. I feel like a disciple. I've been doing better. Am I commending myself again? Or do we need, as some do, letters of recommendation to you or from you? You yourselves are our letter of recommendation. He's writing to the church in Corinth, his second letter, written on our hearts, Paul says, to be known and read by all. And I love this verse 3. It's one of my favorite verses in the whole Bible. And you show that you are a letter from Christ, delivered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not on tablets of stone, but on tablets of human, what? Hearts. And our fifth point, we learned that what is written on your heart matters. What is written on your heart? Like, I, don't, I don't really think anything's written on my heart. I don't have a tattoo that I don't know about. No. What is written on your heart? What, what do other people see when they bump into you? Oh, hey, Ben. Oh, hey. Ben could have been a real jerk. And I want to see what's written on his heart, right? In just a fraction of a moment. You know, a step further than that, Jesus sees what's written on our hearts all the time. Later in Revelation, you don't have to turn there again, but Revelation chapter 2, verse 23, John's revelation he's talking about, and these are the words that Jesus passed down through John, and, and says, all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. And I find this interesting because this church in, in, in Thyatira that is, is being written about, this church is is blind-blowing because this is a letter. These words are not for the unchurched. This is for the church. It says all the churches will know. All the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart. We can't get past that this morning. It's unavoidable. God searches our mind and heart and he's going to give to each of us according to our works. Well, what are our works? It's the D word again, disciple. This is why being a disciple of Christ matters so much more than being a Christian. So let's ask ourselves this morning, let's come back around the full circle this morning. What is your heartbeat for Christ? These are going to be questions that you're going to have to struggle and hopefully wrestle with and hopefully find an answer with either this morning or this week. What's your heartbeat for Christ? Do you even have one? Boom, 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 boom. Are you alive? Spiritually? Or have you been in a morgue? Or maybe you just need some CPR. Do you have a pulse for Christ? Does Jesus send those impulses into your life, those electrical signals that go over across every chamber of our hearts, all happening right now, a million times across the globe, mind-blowing figures of how God has woven our lives to be intricately made and formed? As Psalmist again writes in Psalm 139, For you knew me before I was made, formed in this secret place. God knows all this. And putting our hearts together, sending these electrical impulses across all four chambers of our hearts so that we pulse and have breath and life. And we're staring at each other and comprehending and thinking thoughts and writing things down and doing complex things like riding a bicycle and chewing a gum. A gum. Chewing a gum. What would that look like? Just, just one gum. Only one gum. Singular gum. Yes, that's right. Chewing a gum. Do we think about that? And all of our hearts just here pumping. We don't even think about it. We have to work at it. 
But does Jesus send these impulses into your life that push you and make you want to contract and bend and ebb and flow? And you're like, nah, that's for somebody else. Are you focused on giving up the carbon dioxide, the the toxins which exist in the world and will kill you if you let them? And are you focused on taking an oxygen, the oxygen of life that only Jesus, who is the way and the truth and the life, can bring? And then do you then pass that oxygen out into the body and into the world who desperately need it to survive? That's what being a disciple is. We get that, right? Go make disciples of all nations and teach them. Talk about what your heart is. Doesn't matter the imperfections. Talk about what God is doing. Doesn't matter what was done. Talk about what God is creating. A lot of us just don't. We just stop talking. We just stop beating for Christ. It's like we're on some spaceship, all in hypersleep or something. It's like, all right, well, I know my end destination. We're going to arrive at whatever, and I'm just going to sleep until we get there. Cool. Thanks, Jesus. No, it's not okay. We're going to get out, walk around, talk about what God's doing in our hearts. And, and, and taking that a step further, then are we looking at Jesus long enough and love Him long enough that your heartbeat synchronizes to His? Isn't that weird to think about? We talked about that statistic earlier, right? When a man, when a man loves a woman, right? And they stare at each other's eyes for three minutes, their heartbeat synchronized. Are you and I looking at Jesus long enough to say, I know what His heart is? And he knows what mine is. And, I, and we are synced. And this wonderful thing called the Holy Spirit then inherits our lives, guides and directs us. Are we looking at him long enough to be in sync with what Jesus wants and is doing in our lives and can do through our lives to affect other lives? You see, that's the heartbeat of a disciple. Not just the heart of a disciple, the heartbeat. Bum, 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 bum. driving a living, breathing, active thing with a pulse that also drives you. Without your heart, you are dead. This is medically and scientifically a fact. It's no different spiritually. Without your heart for God, you are dead. If you strive to live up to the call of this name, Disciple, got to have this thing called heart. Not some of it. Not a bit of it. Not half of it even. Not 75% not good enough. No, all or nothing. And for you and me, it's not too late. Just like David, God can create and renew a heart within you and within me this morning. And he will meet you and me right here, right now, in this place to do just that thing. And say, you know what? I've seen your past. I was there. I know your future. And you don't, but you will. So are you going to trust me in the now? Are you going to be a disciple of me and, and follow me regardless of that past? I can create new in you again today. And you may just say, well, I want a miracle. I've got to see this happen. That's just called being a skeptic. Because if you need a miracle to see God, you're looking through the wrong lens. It's like Monday, tomorrow that eclipse is going to burn your eyes. Are you, is this making sense today? Because I am fired up about this. I am passionate about this because, you know, in, in thinking and again watching my son and just listen, I went back and listened to the track of his heartbeat. The very first thing you ever hear or see 
in the wonderful world of technology that we have now, right? Used to, a long time ago, babies would just pop out in nine months, and you didn't know if it was a boy or a girl, had a functioning heart, you didn't know what it sounded like, ten fingers, ten toes, you don't know. But now ultrasound, everything, you can find all that out. And the very first thing I have of my son is not a picture, it's not a 3D ultrasound, it's not him riding a bike or doing some daredevil exercise through the womb of uterus or anything, right? That, all I have is this little... And that sound will change your life. And if that's the way you and I feel as parents, imagine the way God feels when a child of God says, you know what, I may have been a Christian for a long time, but I haven't been a disciple. And starting today, I'm not going to do what I did anymore. I'm going to follow you, Jesus Christ, with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my soul. And I'm going to give you my heart this morning because tomorrow may not exist for me. He can do that today. And, and, and imagine in some weird brain that I have that I'm thinking, you know, somewhere God is listening to this, you know, God, I want to be a disciple of Christ. Do you, do you get that with me? And suddenly we hear these heartbeats pulsing, sinking together as we stare at the Savior, the Jesus, the creator of all good things. And we sink up together and man, it's not one heart anymore, is it? It's a movement. It's life. 